Welcome back to another episode on Aligned with Purpose in Life and Leadership. And today I have the great honor of interviewing Matt Sweetwood. And he is a serial entrepreneur and startup founder with over 30 years of business experience. He is the CEO of Greener Process Systems, and he's an internationally known professional speaker, author, coach, photographer, and social media influencer. However, His greatest achievement is having raised five successful children to adulthood as a single dad. He's a frequent national TV and publication contributor and has a number one best-selling book, Leader of the Pack, How a Single Dad of Five Led His Kids, His Business, and Himself from Disaster to Success. I am so honored to have you. Welcome to the show. It is my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. And I always love to just start the conversation by asking what it feels like for you to truly be aligned with your purpose. You know, I find this a very uh, deep and spiritual kind of topic because I think one's goal in life is to always find their purpose. And, you know, I had... I've always been involved in work and entrepreneurship and running businesses. And I've done this my whole life. And your quest is always like, I'm trying to, you try to grow your business. My first company, I grew from a million dollar company into a hundred million dollar plus company sold it. I had lots of success, but never really felt like I found my purpose. And then one day I realized that probably my purpose on this earth was to raise five kids as a single dad and turn them into successful you know, uh, contributing adults. So I just had that moment pretty late in life where I realized that, and for a man, that's a funny realization, right? Because we always associate child rearing or sort of the purpose of child rearing with women. And I'm not being sexist about it. I'm just saying it's natural to sort of think of it like that. And then to all of a sudden realize that maybe my purpose as a man was to do that. And my book, Leader of the Pack, it talks about the journey I went through from sort of having no clue as a parent to having their mother walk out on them when they were very, very young, and then having to learn to do that and really suffering a bit part of it through because I like didn't want this to happen to me. And then ultimately realizing it was the best thing that ever happened to me. So my purpose is aligned when I see all of my five kids successful out in the world and achieving big things. Such a beautiful response. Thank you for sharing. And I just love how you've taken this life experience and turned it into your message. And I'm sure this has just led the pack in your life forward to their success. So I would love to hear a bit about parenting and leading them by example in the way that you have. Yeah, I I think that one of the uh, epiphanies I had as a parent was, you know, when a mom walks out like that, you tend to try to fill in the role of a mom. Mm -hmm. And then I quickly realized that wasn't going to work for me. Um, And I actually have written some really funny articles about, you know, trying to be a mom and trying to, you know, sort of act like a mom and mix with the moms in suburbia, you know, New Jersey kind of thing, which I don't mix with. And um, realizing that one day you can just parent as a dad and everything's going to be okay. 
So, and I really view that as a leadership quality is ultimately finding your path and how to make it all work, how to get them to all brush their teeth, do their homework, eventually succeed, graduate and go to top colleges and go out in the world and be off the payroll, um, which for your parents, parents out in the audience, we all know that that is the goal of parenting is to get them. So maybe the only thing you pay for is a cell phone bill at some point in your life. So um, that sort of journey to leadership really pivots to business also. And I found a large synergy between um, leadership and parenting and leadership in running a company. To me, a lot of the qualities that you see in one really apply. And if you take the best of both, you get into being excelling at both. Mm. Mm. Now, I don't want to just breeze over the funny mom articles that you said, uh-huh. What would, what's one that comes to mind for you right now that, that might give us a little laugh? Okay. <laughs> so um, I wrote one article, uh, I think it was entitled, oh, and I hope they're not a sponsor of your show, but I wrote an article about Chuck E. Cheese. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one day I, I was forced, <laughs> if you notice how I phrased that, forced to take my kids to Chuck E. Cheese. I think it was a friend's birthday party or, or maybe they, my kids just wanted me to go just, you know, I don't know if you know what Chuck E. Cheese is, but it's one of these yeah. places you do. It's got <laughs> this clown in there and they have these arcade games and they serve pizza and stuff. So I'm in there one day with all of my kids. Cause I had to drag them all along with me and they're in there. And I realized that I'm in this place. There's a bunch of moms in there all looking at me like, what are you doing in here? You know, this is like, uh, you know, it was during the day. I took time off from work. So it was some, some reason for being there. And I realized my feet are sticking to the floor. The whole place smells like pee. Um, oh. The pizza is like cardboard. And I'm a New Jersey guy. We have the best pizza on earth. So this is completely unacceptable. And I'm like, what in heaven's name am I doing here? Why did I bring my kids here? You know why you brought your kids here? Because it goes back to kind of that story of, you know, because that's what moms do with their kids during the day when they're off from school. They go take them to places like sports and games and Chuck E. Cheese. They said, I'm not doing this anymore. And what I ended up doing was I ended up as recreation for my kids. I said, I, I like hockey. So I bought season's tickets to the New Jersey Devils hockey team and started taking my kids when they were very young to hockey games. We watched a few Stanley Cup championships. And to this day, we all bond. I'm talking 25 years later over hockey. My son who happens to live near me here in Florida comes over frequently and we could watch the games and we talk about it and stuff like that. So it became a sort of a family tradition of doing that. And that to me, not that women don't like hockey, I don't, I'm not trying to say anything like that, but it was just was like sort of the thing I wanted to do. And I realized it ended up being a successful thing. So that was one of the articles that I wrote. I wrote this sort of, you know, pounding on Chuck E. Cheese a little bit like this is one of the most horrible places that a single dad can find himself. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they've improved and, you know, maybe it's a really lovely place now. So why don't we hope that Chuck E. Cheese is very lovely today? I hope so. But I love the lesson in that really of you don't have to settle or try to fit the mold of what you think you should be doing as a parent, as an entrepreneur, whatever that looks like, you can find what works best for you. And I I appreciate you for, for sharing that. And you mentioned earlier that you learned as a single dad different lessons and tools that helped you in business. What would one of those lessons look like? I I mean, for me, the number one lesson is always about organization. 
And, and you, you know, they talk about something called work-life balance. Mm -hmm. I actually really hate that term because it ultimately has, in my opinion, I'm, I'm killing, by the way, the talk, the professional speeches of like 400 people when I do this, but work-life balance doesn't really exist because you end up just doing what you have to do anyway to get both of them done if you have a family and you have work. So you can say, I have work-life balance, but you just, if the, if the family demands more time, you just spend more time there. And if the work does, you just do it and just make it all work. But I always like, I, my success was a lot of what I call work-life organization, mm. where you just sort of let, and I, and I had this advantage of running my own company of allowing the the organizational methods to come together. So I used to joke is that you would look at my schedule and you would see a 10 a.m. meeting with the CEO of a Fortune 100 company. You would see an employee meeting at 10.30. You would see a kid's teacher meeting at 12.30. You would then see some sort of you know staff meeting in here. You would see me visiting a client here, then kid's soccer practice, then a call overseas at night. And you would see my schedule look like this. And my address book was like this. And really sort of my whole life became integrated like this. So I became efficient in both places. And I'm just beginning to get to the organization. You could go into my Google Drive and you would find the list of all my suppliers right next to the list of all my kids' friends, parents, so that if I wanted to arrange playdates, they were in there and I can quickly access them. So to me, the biggest lesson in being able to run both corporations, the family corporation and the one that pays for the family corporation, is to really be ultimately this sort of work-life organization together. Mm. Mm, I love that tip. Yeah. Organization. I agree. I'm not sure if work-life balance exists, but- it's all in what you feel called to do in the moment, more or less. It's beautiful, beautiful. So where was the shift for you? Because you mentioned before other businesses that you had been a part of or owning, and then you shifted into a greener way of life, a greener way of business. What did that transition look like? Like what inspired it? Um, for me, it was really simple. I, when I, I sold my company that I worked for for 20, whatever, 20, I won't say how many years, right? Okay, but whatever, a long time, 27 years. And I, I left really at the peak of the business. If you kind of look look over there, you see like those trophies up there and stuff, right? I got the man of the year, person of the year, all of these awards and stuff. And I left the business, I sold my business really at the top of the business. And I said, I want to do something else because I'm just, I just, I, I need to achieve something else. And I kind of said to myself that I wouldn't, um, I wasn't going to do anything really big unless it was big. In other words, so I went out, I consult, I wrote my book, wrote my, my leader of the pack book, right. And consulting companies and speaking and doing those kinds of things, you know, was an interim CEO in a few different places. And just through the course of, I don't want to say networking, ultimately a good deed I did with somebody who was working for my, one of my companies. He connected me with another company who needed a CEO. And I just ended up finding this project that is going to clean the air for everybody on earth and reduce air pollution, one of the major contributors to air pollution on earth. So we're really, I'm really excited about actually going from a business where I was selling electronics ultimately, I'm simplifying, but I was selling electronics, which is a noble profession, but not a profession that is going to, change the world. If I didn't sell those electronics, somebody else would. Not that we didn't do it better than everybody else. Um, but nevertheless, now I'm doing something where we're cleaning port air pollution 
And we have an opportunity to really affect the world in a profound way. Mm, mm, and so that was why I jumped at the opportunity to do this, even though it was very different than anything that I had done before. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, I just can hear like the passion behind your voice when you're like explaining both positions and this one more specifically. So how does that feel then? Because you've been now in both places. I can tell that your energy has shifted. How does it feel now to know that you're standing behind a mission that actually changes the lives of others around you and for years and years to come? To yeah, I, I think that it's just such a massively motivational thing, particularly particularly when you get to a certain age in life and you've gotten to a certain point where you just feel like, I try to say this in a positive way, is the number of years on the other side is less than the years behind. And you just want to, you want to make a difference. You want to actually do something, you know, significant. Okay. You know, having five kids out there contributing to the world is significant, but really having that ability, having the opportunity, I actually feel very blessed because many people search for that, right? They, they, their perp, they say, my purpose is to find a big cause. And I found it. Mm -hmm. So it's highly motivational. And I'm a person who doesn't fail. So I won't let things fail. And this gives me that sort of turbocharged emotion and energy to really make sure that it succeeds. And we are succeeding. So we're very, very excited about it. And for me, it's, it makes you feel young again. Oh, I could tell how excited. I just, I needed that cliche, by the way. Like you were missing <laughs> cliches in this program. So I, I needed to, to get one in there. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And <laughs> so if someone's out there and they're listening right now and they're not feeling that purpose in what they're doing right now, how could they go about finding that meaning, that drive, that impact that they're looking for and craving? Um, I think that sometimes it's just luck. But ultimately, putting yourself out there, if you're traveling three miles from your home to work, you just interact at work and go back home, and you hate your job, or you, it's not even hate, let's say, let's say you're just, that's what you do, it's probably not going to come to you. For me, I actually think it came from risk-taking. I was in a very comfortable position in my company back in New Jersey. I, I was at the top of my field. I could have just continued, you know, earning a nice income and doing that. And I had the opportunity to exit knowing, I, I joke about this because I actually signed the agreement to, to exit that company on my birthday in 2015. Okay. And yeah. I remember waking up the next day. Imagine, you know, I worked almost seven days a week for 20, when you're a big business, you working all the time. I literally woke up the day afterwards and said, you're an unemployed loser, right? You're unemployed. Like I was a little bit like freaked out that this happened to me. And it's been basically a five or six year journey of many times I'm sitting there. It's like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. I consulted this company. I helped them. I did that, but I moved on. I, okay, I've spoken here. I've done this. I wrote my book. We did the book tour. We did all of these things. Okay, now what? What? And is it going to come to me? Or, you know, is this just the way I'm going to spend? So it's a very scary kind of thing. But ultimately, it's that risk taking and the willingness to sort of stop what you're doing, take a risk and go out there and do it is really the way you're going to find that. Mm -hmm. You know, people do it all the time. Sometimes they do it, 
they they go and they climb Mount Everest or they go join the Peace Corps or whatever, if that's a thing anymore. I don't know if that's a thing anymore, but um, dating myself all the time here. So I, I don't, I, I just think that it's, if, if it's not coming to you, if the opportunity is not there in your network and in your operations, you have to actually take a risk, maybe stop what you're doing or do something different to get out there and just meet different people and find different things and try different things. You know, uh, being a consultant and consulting companies was very useful for me because I saw a lot of stuff I had no interest in doing. Mm-hmm. You know, as an operator, as a person who's been in the CEO position many times, you can walk into a company and just run the company. It doesn't mean you like it or it doesn't mean it's your purpose or it's the thing you want to do. You do it. And I'm like, no, nah, mm, you know, I was a tech company. I'm a techie. I'm a techie. I was a programmer. I have my degrees in mathematics and computer science and stuff. And I'm like, but it's not for me. I know that sounds funny, right? But it wasn't for me. And I actually was involved with tech companies. I'm like, I can do this. You know, I can run these companies, but, this is not why I sold that company and went out there. So I kept trying and trying and, you know, I got lucky. But I think it, you make your own luck to some extent. So my advice to people who really want to find that is to take that risk, stop what you're doing or change what you're doing and just get out there and try things. Mm, I love that advice. And it sounds like that's been a huge shift in your life. I feel like it is. It's true. If your environment stays the same, it's almost like, it's going to prevent you from growing and expanding as a, as a person. So I would love to hear, how have your children taken this advice? I'm sure you've given this to them too. What do you feel like they've done? Um, so I think in, in their cases, they, they had it in some ways better than me, not in some ways, in a lot of ways better than me, some ways not. I mean, they had a difficult upbringing because of the situation with their mom, but they they had support. They went to top schools. You know, I'm talking about like George Washington University, Elliott School of International Affairs in Northwestern Columbia and stuff like that. And, and they walked out of school with the opportunities that very few people get. And they've been able to parlay that opportunities and them being in their 20s and early 30s now, they, they haven't faced that yet. So they followed sort of this normal course. Yeah, okay, maybe they've had multiple jobs, but the jobs are all sort of, you know, you know, from this, you step up, you step up. They haven't faced that point in their life where they're like, is this it? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's really what happened to me when I'm, I'm, I'm running. You know, I love that the title of that movie, As Good As It Gets. I don't know if you've seen it with Jack Nicholson yeah. and stuff. It's a really good movie. Um, I always think of that title in life, like, is this as good as it gets? A lot of times people apply it to relationships, but I I also apply it to your life. And you have to say to yourself at some point, is this as good as it gets? And if the answer is yes, are you satisfied? If the answer is I'm not satisfied, you need to do something or you are going to find in your older ages a massive regret. Mm. Mm. And now let's say someone has hit that moment, but then... Is there a chance that it falls off again where they're doing the things that they thought they wanted and maybe they wanted them for a while and then it plateaus a little bit? Does that happen? Yeah, you don't have to do it again. That's my experience. That's basically what I I said. I went out there and I started doing things. I had an opportunity to be CEO of this company or that company and stepped in and helped them for a while and said, let's see how it goes. I'm like, not for me, Mm. just not for me. 
And then I had doubts at times, like maybe I should have just stayed where I was. At least I was top dog, right? I'm going to place when you walk into a new company in a new industry, you're, you're starting, you know, almost, I don't want to say at the bottom, but you're starting in a different place and it wasn't really any better in some ways. So I think that you just have to keep going at it and hope that you can find what it is you're looking for. In any event, you'll have some variety in your life and you'll have some new experiences and you'll grow and you'll learn more. Even if you don't feel like in the end, you've ultimately found that purpose for being on earth. Also, I, I you know, without being mean, I, I just think that sometimes one has to be realistic about what they find in their lives. You know, if my goal is to, is to feed the world, I don't want there to be any hungry people in the world. And you believe that's your purpose. You're never going to succeed, unfortunately, in that goal. So you have to decide what level of success is going to provide you with satisfaction. Maybe, you know, feeding the people in the town that you grew up in, you know, the hungry people, maybe that's the answer or, so setting realistic goals, I think, is really important because then you're not disappointed. Absolutely. I mean, in my case, we're installing these systems in ports. We're installing emissions capture systems in ports for ocean-going ships. You know, then the goal is to install one in every port in the world. But that'll take decades to do that. And so my goal is to install as many as I can while I am at the helm of this operation. And I know that everyone that gets installed, people's health, the health of people around the ports is going to improve. And for me, that's, you know, making a difference. Mm. Oh, I, I love that. And I love how you have the target for the company really high at right every port in the world, but then you have the more tangible outcome that you know you can strive for and achieve. I think that's huge. And testing new things all the time. Right, constantly exploring and seeing how far you can push yourself is that's right. Huge. That's exactly right. And you have to do that. And you and and there's there's a, a really one of my favorite expressions is uh, it is my favorite expression is how badly do you want it? So people say I, I have people, I, I coach people in my spare time. I've done this for many years. It's sort of an uh, uh, you know came out of my experience raising children on my own and going through a crazy divorce and just experiencing life and stuff. People come to me frequently and I, I coach them. And a lot of times they're not succeeding or they're not accomplishing. And the root cause is that they just don't want it badly enough. They're not doing what it really takes in order to get there. And I apply that to myself sometimes. So if things are not going the way that I think or the way that I want them to, or I find some aspect of what I'm doing is failing, I always look to myself first. Mm -hmm. I always say to myself, is the reason that's failing is you're really not working at it hard enough. You don't want it badly enough. You're not willing to do. And maybe, maybe the answer is yes. So then maybe I just should let it go. Mm -hmm. And maybe I don't really want it badly enough and just let it go and, and pivot and do take the company in a different direction or, or do a different project or do something different. I, I think there's a real element of being uh, self-aware and truthful to oneself about this. I think that that is a fundamental principle of success is being able to be truthful with oneself over what they've done. You know, one of, one of my favorite things that when I coach people is they always say, you know, I didn't have time to do. The reason it didn't happen is I didn't have time. It's one of my favorite things that people say as an excuse that I immediately rip apart. I said, you really didn't have time. Okay, let's talk about your week. 
right? And you quickly find that people have tons of time mm-hmm. to do stuff. So I always, I always like to say, be truthful to yourself, be self-aware, and understand whether you really want this badly enough. You know, we began this conversation. I'm going to turn it on you a little bit, if you don't mind, in a, loving, in a loving way. We began this conversation, right? Because we, I showed my book and you said, you know, I have a book in me. Mm-hmm. So if I were coaching you, I would say, well, why haven't you written the book? Mm-hmm. And so you might answer me, I just haven't gotten to it yet. And so then my response, we're having a conversation with myself right now. You can just stand by. <laughs> so you, you might then respond to me. I, I might then come back to you and say, well, you know, you know, Jamie, I'm not sure you really want to write a book. I'm taunting you a little bit because if you really want to write a book, okay, you would have written a book already. Okay. So I'm sorry. Call me out. Call me out. I, I'm doing it. I'm doing it with I a big it. hug at the same yes. time. It's right. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I can tell you're a very deep person, and everything. So the book is in you for sure. I can see by the way you're questioning me. Right. So I would turn to you and I would say, you just, why, why didn't you read it? Why aren't you writing it? Yeah. Okay. Write it. What's stopping you? I feel like for me with the book, and I actually had a big realization about this this week was we think it's going to be this massive feat. Like I'm going to write one book in my life. It, that was like how I've always thought of it was this big, massive, juicy thing. And then I was thinking about it. I'm like, I actually know quite a few people have, who have written like three books in the past year and a half. So I don't, that's not the truth. Right. So yeah. I find, so I, because I, I wrote a very successful book, you know, bestseller, I have people come to me, ask me like, how'd you do it? So I say, the first thing I did was I wrote, I wrote for, I wrote a bunch of articles, mm-hmm. right? Because that was the first thing. Cause our writing articles is a really good thing to do blogs, you know, and you publish them out there and it turned out my blogs were really good. I got published in entrepreneur magazine and the Huffington post and the good men project and all over the place. So my stuff was really good. And some of my stuff wasn't really good. So I had this really big ego about my writing. I went out and I started to write a book and I got about a year and a half in and realized I wrote crap. I showed it to people and I showed it to people who like know what they're doing. And they're like, you wrote a parenting book. That's for Dr. Phil. Mm. Okay. Your book's not going to work. It's going to go die on a shelf somewhere and no one's going to read it. I threw it away and I started again. And so when people come to me and they say, you know, I've heard people, I don't know where to begin. The book is too large. I have too many things to say. I always simply say, so you have too many things to say. Why don't you start by writing one, Mm. write something, just start. It's almost like an excuse not to write, not to get going and not to get good. So just write something. Okay. You have, uh, you have the Lord of the Rings too, right? The the three volume set plus the Hobbit. Okay. So write the, write the Hobbit. Okay. (laughs) Write the first book, write something, write an article. That's what I, I, I would always say to everybody. I didn't have that problem because I, I just like started just, I got advice, just started writing, writing, writing. But a lot of times I want you to know that what you just described to me, a lot of people say, but my advice, I would just turn to you and just say, write anything, mm. just start, just start and, and write a book and you see the book will come. I can tell for you, the book is going to come actually easy. You just got to start writing. I can see you're a deep person. Deep people write great books. They just do. They just start to get going and they... It comes out. So write something. So the next time we speak, I want to see another joke. Oh, seriously. I, I, I will. I will. I cannot wait. It's been on my mind lately. You want to give us a little teaser of what you're going to write about? Mm, yes. It's 
all about really tearing down that wall that has been built up brick by brick by just people in your life, events in your life that have prevented you from being able to see your true self and the vision that you have for your life. And it's truly how you can begin to step into that vision of yourself and realize that it's a reality, but it can happen to you right now. So, Yeah, it's a really important topic because people get set on a path in their childhood based on how they're, they're brought up, mother-parent, mother relationships, father relationships, sibling relationships, friend relationships, and they stay behind that wall, to use your term, for a long time. So it's a really good topic. You really can do something important with that. So get to it. <laughs> I will. I'm going to now. This conversation is definitely re-inspired. That's right. That's right. You're going to have to answer to me. I'm going to be challenged. I will. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm totally joking with you, right? I'm just totally, totally no, playing No, I... I'm happy for this, seriously. And when you were writing your book, I would love to hear more about that experience. And then how how did you launch it the way that you did so successfully? Yeah. So um, I have a very interesting story. So I got a very nice publishing deal for my book. And actually, I had a funny, uh, I'll tell, I've never told this story before. I'm going to tell it to you here. So my book is called Leader of the Pack. My oldest daughter actually came up with the name of this book, but my original title of the book was called Man Up, okay? Mm -hmm. How a single dad of five let his kids his, himself his business from disaster to success. Man Up, I really, because I manned up when, you know, my wife walked away. Yeah. And I got a publishing deal and the publisher takes on the, takes on the project and they say to me, Matt, we love your project. We're taking on, we just got one problem with your title. I go, what's the problem? They go, we already have another book that we're about to publish called Man Up. Mm. It has nothing to do with your story. It's actually a business book, but we can't publish two books with the title Man Up. Mm. So I'm like, okay. So I went out, I thought some of my, and my oldest daughter actually came up with the, the my book launch was funny because we had to find a non-girly version of the song Leader of the Pack, which we did. But anyway, different story for a different day. Um, it turns out that the publisher ended up dropping me halfway through the project oh. because they felt my book is a very rough book about real events. And despite my having a certified legal review of the book, the publisher became concerned that we might come under legal action. So they did something really mean after having me go through all sorts of, and they dropped it. It turned out to be the best thing that happened to me because I ended up saying, okay, I'm going to self-publish this book. I personally have big social media. I have big following. I've been on TV many times. I've been on national TV and I was able to promote the book and completely control the book myself. Wow. And for me, that was a very, very good experience. So I highly recommend that. I think that if you're a famous person and you can get a publisher to give you an advance, you go with a pub, but I would self-publish and you just have to go out there and promote your book from the second you conceive it. So I would say to you, once you have an idea of like what the title is and what the subject, you actually start promoting. And one way you start promoting is you start writing blogs about the topic. And you start creating a discussion about the topic. You start attracting people to talk about it with you. And then you start telling them, I got a book coming. I got a book coming. I got a book coming. And you start to build your audience. That's what I, that's what I really did. And I ended up having extra time because 
I kind of threw away about a year, a year and a half worth of writing. I literally threw it away and started all over again. Wow. I, I got like full body goosebumps for that lesson in the middle there, because I feel so often you hear stories of, oh, well, my publisher dropped me. Oh, this negative event happened. And then they just give it up. They throw in the towel and they stop. But it's like to see what happened for you. Wow. It's inspiring. My book ended up being a bestseller, being a number one seller in self-help books on Amazon, which is really a pretty cool. I was ahead of some really well-known people there for a while, you know, my book. And if you go on, my book has, um, and that's another tip if you're ever writing a book, is you have to go get reviews. Mm-hmm. You have to work to get your reviews. People just don't review your book because they feel like it. You have to sort of ask, ask people, my book, now I don't do it anymore. I did it in the beginning, obviously. Now reviews do come in every once in a while. Um, but I have like 145 star reviews, people saying it changed their life, you know. And so I have, I get a lot of really good um, karma out of this book. People come to me and tell me the book really helped them. And ultimately, that was the reason because you don't really make money off writing a book. If you start calculating the time you put into writing a book and then what you actually collect when you sell it, you know, after Amazon takes all of the money um, or whoever the sellers <laughs> takes all the money, you're better off, you know, working in Starbucks and skipping the book. You'd end up doing, you know, better monetarily, time wise. But the book, um, if the book makes a difference for people and helps you, it ultimately is your business card. You know, you, you start, look, we're having theoretically a business discussion here, a life discussion, but my book is my calling card, you know, and you use it in business and so on. So, you know, a book, if it helps people and it helps you sort of promote your brand, that's what it's, that's what it's really about. Oh, for sure. And I feel like those, I mean, the same goes for podcasting. It's like those who come into a space where it's giving value, who expect to be paid from it, especially right away they're in it for the wrong reasons. And so I love that you emphasize the fact that it's all about the impact for you. That means- Yeah, I don't want to sit there and say, I wrote it to give back to the world. I mean, because that would just be just crap. Um, You know, that is a reason, obviously, you don't want to write something that affects people. But I mean, that wasn't the ultimate reason for writing the book. The writing the book was I really felt I had a story that needed to get out. My story is an incredible story. I promise if you read the book, you will not be able to put it down. I know that because half the reviews say I started reading your book and I couldn't put it down. (laughs) And it really is a good business tool for me. It really it leads with me. It gives you stature and, and, you know, a place in the world as a published author. Hmm. Beautiful. And now from all of these interviews that you've done, whether on TV, whether on other podcasts like this, what do you feel is coming through and that you would like to share just from your experience through this journey? I think that the, the thing that I, I, I convey the most in the podcast is energy for success. Mm-hmm. And I'll sort of use your finding your purpose, right? So you, it really drives that. In order to be successful, you need to be a high energy person in some way. It doesn't have to be all the time. I have a little ADHD, so I'm, you know, like on the go all the time. But when you're in work mode, you need to be high energy and really be driven for success, really driven for it. And if you're not, you're not going to be successful. And I think being on all of these things, I think that's really my my star quality as it is, is you feel high energy and you feel like, hey, this guy you know, is got it going because he's very confident and he's high energy. And if I want to be that way, I probably should be like that too. So for me, that's the, that is a, a, an important aspect of finding your way. Mm, I love that so much. And now would you please 
let us know your book one more time and any other book that comes to mind that you would like to recommend to the audience. Okay. Leader of the Pack, right? There's my mug on there. Um, uh, I have a favorite book that I like to recommend. It's a, it's a book called Relentless by Tim Grover. That book actually helped me because it made me realize that the way I am is the way to win. He's actually, this guy was actually like the personal trainer of Michael Jordan and a few other famous athletes. And he talks about the perspective of being successful from world-class humans and how they view the world. And he sort of puts everybody into this term of closer and stuff like that. And you realize that people fall into different categories and you want to be in this category and you just go for it. You just be relentless. And I've always been relentless in my life. I was forced to when I had little kids handed to me and I had a business that was in a massively challenging industry that needed reinvention several times. And the, my path to success was always being relentless. So I recommend that book. Oh, thank you so much. And now I love how just where this conversation is go, goes. And I'm just so appreciative for you today. And for the next guest who comes on here, I'm trying this thing where you can actually choose the question that I'm going to kick off their show with. So does anything come to mind for you? Yeah, I want them. I, I would ask them sort of my personal motto. I would ask them, how badly do you want success? Mm-hmm. And see what their answer is to that question. Thank you so much for being here. And I hope if you're listening to this and you've received any value today, which I'm sure you did and you're taking notes, (laughs) then please check out his book. And where else can we find you on social media? Um, You can find my company, Greener Process Systems on greenerprocess.com. Me, you can find at msweetwood everywhere or msweetwood.com. I was an early adopter of social media. I had hair back then. Um, (laughs) So I got my name everywhere, msweetwood, at msweetwood. And I answer everybody. If you have anybody in your audience that reaches me, I ADHD, so I, I'm there. I respond to everybody. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again. And just look forward to speaking with you again soon. Pleasure. It was all mine. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. 